You're listening to the Sailing to Success podcast show, where we share practical tips and strategies to help you be more productive, boost your profits, and grow your business. Hey, I'm Lindsay Phillips, founder of Smooth Sailing Business Growth, and I'll be your host and captain for this 30-minute excursion. Today, we'll be learning all about creating financial independence with financial mentor, Todd Tresser. You'll find out how much you need to retire, ways you can achieve it, and how to create that plan to get there. So let's get started. Hey guys, as mentioned, as entrepreneurs, we need to get ahead of the game and really work on our financial independence. I know we always talk about growing our business, but there's a whole other element of it, right, that we need to prepare for. And that's why I have Todd Tresseter on. He's graduated from the University of California at Davis with a BA in economics and passion for creating successful businesses, which is what we're in the business for doing. So he's a serial entrepreneur since childhood, and he went on to build his own wealth as a hedge fund investment manager before retiring at, get this, 35. Impressive, right? He grew his net worth from less than zero at 23 to the point of financial independence just 12 years later. So he is the expert to talk to. So through his website at financialmentor.com, he teaches advanced investing and advanced retirement planning principles. He's obviously been featured in major publications like Wall Street Journal and Investors Business Daily, Forbes, NPR, Market Watch, and of course, he's the author of five books on specialty financial topics. So, thank you so much for bringing your expertise to to my podcast. You're welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, we were kind of talking beforehand. So, you know, entrepreneurs were obviously focused on you know wealth, freedom, growing our business to have more freedom. But I think there's that element of financial independence that we kind of miss. I mean, we're so focused, I think, and driven on growing our business that it's like we really need to think about how much money we need to retire and what steps, other steps besides growing our business, do we need to take to set that up? Um, I mean, the big question is, because I think most of us have no clue, you know, how much money do we need to retire? And what age do most people retire, I guess, is another good point. Well, the, you know, there was always the standard age of age 65, right? Which was when yeah. Social Security began in the US. Um, so that was kind of the default age, and that's where a lot of pensions kick in and, you know, that kind of thing. And so that was the assumed age, but that's changed a lot now. There's a thing I call the new retirement, which is where people are recognizing that building this mountain of money, what's happening is there's, there's increased longevity, even at the, the distant age of the spectrum. Now, a lot of people would argue that and say that increasing longevity is due to a decline in the birth death rate, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, and that's where a lot of the early increases in longevity came. But now what we're finding is that people, particularly people of financial means, are actually extending their life right. and you're getting longer, longer lifespans. And so what's happening is retirement planning was never really designed for 30 years of the pro leisure circuit, True. right? Where people are <laughs> just sitting around, you know, playing cards and reading novels and playing endless rounds of golf and sitting on beaches, drinking a Mai Tai. It, it, retirement was never planned for that. It's, it's a much longer period of time and it takes a tremendous amount of money accumulation to support 30 years of basically semi-permanent leisure. Mm-hmm. And so the whole process is starting to morph with increasing longevity because people don't want to work late in life either, you know, full out career. A lot of people don't no. want to do that. That's 
to do the satisfying life either. So there's kind of this new form of retirement that's developing that changes the math dramatically. And that is where you, you have a conventional career in the early period and you try to accumulate your assets and get your basic financial house in order. So there's a, there's a new form of retirement where you, you have the conventional career in the early stage. So there's a new, there's a new form of retirement, what I call the new retirement, which is where you have the traditional career in the early stage and you, you know, you try to build wealth, you get your home, you start building your savings, you accumulate your basic things that you want in life. And then you enter this next phase. And the second phase is about fulfillment. It's not about career maximization. And you're trying to find some occupation where it's enough to pay the bills, but you're not trying to, it's not focused on your earning capacity. It's focused mm. on how fulfilling your life is. And what that does is that changes the math dramatically because when you're not supporting extended periods of time, off your assets, you need far fewer assets to achieve the goal. And then what that also does is that allows the assets to compound in the background over a period of many years to accumulate to the number you actually need to support those final years when you're not working. And so I call that the new retirement and the math on it is completely different. It requires a much lower nest egg and it allows you to enjoy a fulfilling life much earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's funny how people have preconceived ideas that, you know, if you have a retirement fund, you retire at 65, just everything's hunky-dory. And I, I don't think people have, it seems to me, concrete ideas of how much they need to have, how long it's going to last, and what the exact steps are to take. Do you find that? Yeah, most people have like a box that they think of retirement as, right? Like they yeah. imagine retirement as doing nothing in life. And what they do is basically the view of retirement is that you work like a dog for your entire career, you scrimp and save, and you accumulate this nest egg, and then you do nothing of substance for your remaining years until you die. And the hope is that your nest egg, you spend your last dime from your nest egg as you take your last breath. And obviously, it doesn't work that way. The, there's no way to actually pull that off with any sort of reliability um, and life just isn't packaged up that neatly, but that's how most people have it compartmentalized. They also have a compartmentalized idea of retirement asset accumulation as that you save all this money from your earned income and you shovel it over to your financial planner. And he has this magical asset allocation <laughs> that he puts it in. And then someday when you get old, you know, you're going to have this money at the end of the rainbow. And I know either that, or it's like people think, Oh, I'll just downsize my house, live somewhere smaller and that'll suffice. I'm assuming that's a massive myth. Well, that's one, that's another strategy you can use is you can you convert home equity and reduce the cost of living by getting in a smaller home or living in a lower cost area and harvesting the home equity as an asset. So that is one strategy that's viable for increasing the total equity for retirement planning. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to cut it. So for example, in your group, you know, you've got entrepreneurs the, the key thing to understand is there's really three asset classes, right? Okay. Financial planners don't because their job is to sell you on paper assets and have you shovel all your money over to them for their management. Right. Um, and so it's sort of a self-serving model, but in fact, there's really three asset classes and they're all equally viable for retirement planning. You've got business entrepreneurship, which your crowd's good with. You've got direct ownership of real estate mm -hmm. and then you've got conventional paper assets, which is what a retirement planner would sell you or right. a financial planner would sell you. All three asset classes are perfectly acceptable. They just have very different characteristics. And what you want to do is you want to match the characteristics to your specific goals, time horizons, skills, and resources 
so that you can put together a wealth plan where the math actually works. And I think that's where people get hung up. So obviously yourself, um, financial advisors, coaches, whatever you want to call them, they figure all that out for you, correct? Well, there's different ways you can do it. First of all, if you go to financial planner, they're going to do the conventional financial plan because that's what they're trained in. Right. right? So okay. you're going to sit down across the desk from them. They're going to talk to you about your risk profile, ask you a few questions. They're going to assess what assets you have now, how old you are, and they're going to stick all this stuff into a computer and then it's going to kick out this beautiful glossy document with <laughs> charts right? And all this pretty stuff on it. And it's going to tell you how much you have to shovel towards them and right. under what assumptions that money will grow. And then, you know, if these assumptions are true and they may or may not end up being true. And then that money grows to a certain amount by the time you want to quote unquote retire. And then what you'll do is you'll take that glossy document home, you'll put it on a shelf and you'll never touch it. And the reason for that is that it's a passive approach, right? You right. don't do anything active except you earn the money in your job. And you try to figure out how to save as much as you can to shovel over to your financial planner, right? But as an entrepreneur, we know that's not really true. I mean, it's not the only path. I'm not saying right. it's false. It's just not the only path. Because if you look at 20-something millionaires, right, guys that are financially independent in their 20s, or like I did it in my 30s. And if you could see me right now, I'm gray-haired and much older guy. I'm 56 as we record this. So I've, quote, unquote, been financially independent for 21 years now and raised a middle-class family on it. And so there's a lot of different models you can apply. So like, as you know, when you see 20 something entrepreneurs who become financially independent early in life, the, you know, if you go interview them and you say, well, how do you become financially independent? The idea of them saying, well, I, I excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> well, I made a whole bunch of money and I shoveled it over to my financial planner and he put it in low cost mutual funds and I became financially independent. That would be a laughable joke. Right. right. You know, he made it in the business asset class. Yeah. And he applied principles that, you know, there was leverage principles. There was tax advantage principles in the business asset class. He did all kinds of things to have rapid equity growth from essentially no equity as a young man to financial independence at a young age. And it's a completely different model in, in the, I teach it in a wealth course. Uh, I have a course on my website that teaches how to do wealth planning on your own. And in there, I call that the advanced planning framework. The advanced planning framework is different from the traditional planning framework. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So the traditional planning framework is conventional financial planning, as everybody assumes retirement planning is with conventional asset allocation. You make your money in your job, you have lifestyle expenses and you have taxes, and then you save from what's left over and you shovel that over your financial planner for asset allocation. So that's the conventional plan. Mm -hmm. But in the advanced planning framework, it operates completely differently because the wealth can get created right inside the plan. You don't have to translate it from earned income. And you use other asset classes. You use direct ownership of real estate. You use business. And it obeys a very different set of mathematics. And so while the underlying assumptions are the key assumptions behind the plans are the same, right? Which is all wealth is built on two equations, which is on the expectancy equation and it's built on the future value equation. And so there's math that governs how wealth is built and accumulated and both models will obey those, those math equations, but they work with them in very different ways. And that's why some people can accumulate wealth very early and become financially independent early. And other people, it takes an entire lifetime to get there. And some people never get there at all. Right. That's so true. Um, so people that are in entrepreneurs, parents, whoever out there, I mean, not everyone has 
gotten into this game, so to speak, or even thought about their financial independence in their 20s, um, early 30s. Is, is there a point where it's too late, where you feel like you can't catch up? Um, what advice would you give people that haven't kind of gotten into it yet? Well, you have to engineer the plan to see if the math will work, right? So right. first of all, the answer to your question is no, it's never too late. Um, the, the difference, you don't have time, it eliminates certain strategies. Fair enough. Okay. So for example, if you're a 55-year-old school teacher who's never saved a dime, you're not going to become financially independent in 10 years starting then. No. Just, there's, there's not enough income. There's not enough capability to save if you've never been a saver to begin with. And you, you're just not going to make the math work. And so the traditional plan will not work. However, a 55-year-old school teacher who's never saved a dime but is very good handyman might be able to find some fix and flips in real estate to generate some equity to acquire a few long-term rentals that then provide a sound mm -hmm. retirement. Right, right. That, that could happen in 10 years. That's mathematically possible. Or that 55-year-old school teacher may just happen to have a genius business idea, very clever insight, you know, insight into a specific business strategy. Maybe it's an, a learning app for a type of class he teaches that could go big on, you know, there may be some clever business strategy where he create revenue mm -hmm. outside his teaching work that could then become a viable business that he could retire on. Um, and he could accomplish that in just a few short years. That's so true. there are things that can be done, but what happens is when you start creating barriers. So like if you remove the time factor, mm. you've eliminated the traditional plan because the traditional plan requires time for the limited compounding and the limited asset right. growth to work itself to be, to equip, uh, to achieve financial independence. And so when you eliminate time, you eliminate plans, but it's still possible. You just have to apply the advanced planning framework to get there. And it's funny because I think myself included, you just have this tunnel vision of you go to a, you know, financial investor and you, you know, your paper assets or whatever, the stock market and funds and what have you. It's like, that's the only option in a lot of people's heads. Oh, yeah. Um, so to open it up and, and have these other avenues, I mean, that's huge. And I know a lot of people, um, actually have a few clients that are in the real estate investing sphere. Um, it just feels like it's, it's boomed as an option over the past five years, five or so years. It's like crazy. Well, it's boom with the market. It will, yeah. it will ebb and flow with market conditions. Sure. But yeah, I, I mean, almost everybody actually has that assumption. That's why I said it in the interview. And, and yet people intuitively get that what I'm saying is true, right? They intuitively yeah. get with other asset classes. They can look all around them and see, yeah, there's people achieving financial independence in their 20s and 30s. And guess what? They're not doing it by buying mutual funds. And so you know, intuitively, you know that these things are true. You just yeah. never structured into a cohesive body of knowledge where you can act on it and develop a plan that will work for you, you know, and that's, that's what I've done. So where do people go to, to get the cohesive plan? I mean, if, you know, your traditional stocks investor type, that's to me kind of the only person to go to. Whereas I feel like there's not a lot of people out there that, plan the whole range. Yeah. So what I do is I teach people how to take charge of it themselves. So you're giving me a layup to pitch my course, right? I have a course called step three. It's how to design your wealth plan. So I have a series of courses called seven steps to seven figures. And the step three course is how you design your wealth plan according to the principles we're teaching here. 
And so, you know, I'm not, I don't want to turn this into a pitch session, but that course is available on my site, financialmentor.com. You just look under products and you can find it. Um, and so what I do is I teach people how to do it themselves, how to take charge of their assets themselves, because here's the reality. Everybody has a conflict of interest on your money, except you. And so, and so one of the reasons that, and that's me included, by the way, right? I have a course yeah. to sell, right? I have a conflict of interest and I, I'm overt about it, right? I have a course to sell. I have education to sell. Um, at least I'm overt about it. <laughs> <laughs> Most people aren't overt about their no, conflicts of no. interest. And so, um, you've got to understand that, you know, that's why a traditional financial plan doesn't include non-traditional assets because they can't make money off of selling it. Right. And people don't pay for financial plans. They're used to financial advisors giving it to them as part of the money management operation. Yeah. And so conveniently it all gets packaged together into a way that almost blindsides people to the other possibilities. Um, but those other possibilities are completely valid, uh, if not more valid as we've already discussed. And so anyway, I teach people how to do it themselves. It's, it, so, you know, it may sound complicated and daunting, mm-hmm. it um, does. but I've been shocked at, you know, cause it took me a long time to put the course together. I shied away from it. I had done it in coaching for many years and I really wasn't sure I could get it into a course format where people could act on it. Right. And I, I've been shocked actually is working. Like people aren't even needing my help. They're going through the course, they're getting it, they're designing their plans, they're taking actions on them. It's all built into the course. That's awesome. I mean, it's, I guess too, it's a matter of being accountable for your own financial independent and taking that action to inform yourself and, and making those steps. Some people are not that way. They're not that minded and they just need someone to hold their hand and guide them through the process. But I mean, I think entrepreneurs nowadays, especially millennials, they want to be informed. They want to take matters into their own hands. Well, here, here's, here's the reality. You can delegate authority over your finances, but you can never delegate responsibility. Oh, totally. That's a good point. And so ultimately, you have to have enough knowledge mm-hmm. to make intelligent delegation decisions. So I'm not saying you have to manage your own money. I'm not saying you have to become a real estate investor. You have to become a business entrepreneur. You don't have to do any of those things. But ultimately, you have to have enough knowledge about the process, how it all fits together so you can make intelligent decisions. So you know when somebody's a scammer and when somebody's legit, you know, because you've got to have enough knowledge to be able to ferret this stuff out. So for example, when I go through and I teach people about expectancy principles, there's a huge implication to risk management and the role risk management plays in each asset class. Now these principles are universal, but how you apply them varies with the characteristics of the asset class. Almost nobody has this knowledge. And so when you possess this knowledge and then you go out and you're looking for asset managers, either in the real estate class or in the paper asset class, Mm -hmm. you can ferret these people out because you can tell who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. Who has that knowledge base that's required to reliably compound money and who doesn't because now you have that knowledge. So it's not that you have to do it all yourself. Right. Gotcha. You have to have the knowledge yourself in order to make smart decisions. And I guess understanding the math and understanding, you know, the principles and the theories and what have you, it, you'll be able to understand your results. And if you're on the right track and if you need to course correct and to know if whoever is doing a good job for you and yeah, it's empowering. Yeah. And it's not complex math. Like a lot of people be, Oh math. I don't want to, do <laughs> uh, you know, wealth is math. Okay. It's ruled by two equations. As I said earlier, the expectancy equation, the future value equation. And so 
there's no way of getting around it. You either put those equations to work for you, you either put the math to work for you, you don't. Now, this is not complex math. This is high school algebra, right? It's within your reach, even if you're a math phobic, but you've got to be able to think in those terms. You've got to understand how that stuff works because it's inviolable. You either put it to work for you or it will work against you. That's true. And, and you don't want it working against you. It's inviolable. It's math. It runs the game. And so you've got to know how to make it work for you. And when in doubt, tell them to suck it up and just figure it out. <laughs> like, well, some people are like, oh, I can't figure it out. The math. It's like, just, you know, take half an hour and or however long and dive in and figure it out. Sometimes people avoid, you know? Yeah. It, again, it's not complicated. I'm not doing fancy math, right? It's high school algebra. It's basic stuff. It's yeah. just, you, you got to know it. You've got to understand the thinking process behind it. It's not like we're getting into complicated equations, but the math has to work. You know, if it doesn't work, you're not going to succeed. And so yeah. it, you're not, it's not that much effort to learn this stuff compared to the effort you're going to put to work for a career, you know, report every day. We're talking, it might take you an hour or two to learn this stuff. You know, you're going to spend your lifetime working. I, it's just, you know, it doesn't make any sense not to learn it. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, the, the outcome and the results are, are huge. So it, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, and what it does too, is it really opens your mind to other possibilities. I mean, that's hopefully what this interview is doing for people is if nothing else, you're looking at going, yeah, you know, I did kind of live in that box. I did have that traditional yeah. framework stuck yeah. as the only solution. And then you open up to other possibilities and you start seeing it all around you. You start realizing, wow, this is actually the way the game works. I just never knew it. Yeah. And then same with your courses. It's like a lot of people don't know where to go and what resources to, I mean, the options online are insane and just to know where to go to learn something in a way that they understand that's not overcomplicated and easy to apply. Um, yeah. And people should do their due diligence. Don't trust me. You know, like, go ahead. no, I'm serious. You know, go ahead, read the material on my website and see if it resonates with you. Go ahead and listen to the podcast episodes of my own. Mm -hmm. You know, and see if it sounds like, well, the guy actually does know what he's talking about, or this guy's full of crock, you know, um, you, you got to go do your due diligence and decide, you yeah. know, cause there are a lot of charlatans that check it out and, and do the research and figure it out. Um, but there's also a lot of really good people, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of people putting out really high quality knowledge that's really valuable and it's unique because it's not stuck with the same incentives of traditional business. Um, that's one of the beauties of the internet right now is, um, you know, you and I have reached that wouldn't even have been possible in, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And it's through all these publishing platforms like this podcast. And so we can communicate our message. Whereas before all the traditional business, uh, it, there's barriers to entry. You know, if I wasn't a financial planner, I couldn't be teaching this stuff and, you know, educating people on their own. My business model wasn't even possible. I mean, think about it. I'm teaching people how to, how to make money with their own money. And I'm not even trying to sell them an investment product. The only thing I'm selling is education. That model didn't even exist yeah, 15 uh -huh. years ago. Not in the slightest. Yeah. Education is now a viable business model because of new technology. And it doesn't have the conflicts of interest. So, but you got to go through it and just decide is this, is what this guy's teaching? Does it seem valuable or not? So in regards, so obviously you're educating people to, to create their own financial independence and how to set up those plans. 
So how do you differ, you know, people giving financial advice or financial coaching? Um, what are those terms and what do they mean? Yeah. So I actually pioneered the financial coaching field on the internet. So when I started, I mean, obviously with the website, financialmentor.com, like try to get that URL, right? Um, so financialmentor.com, I got that back in 1997. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when I started uh, coaching, which is 98, 1998, which is like ancient days in the internet, <laughs> if you did a search for a financial coach, there was a total of nine returns. Eight eight of which were financial planners who were trying to position themselves as coaches, right? They were using that moniker. Yeah. I was absolutely the only person who was building a financial coaching business as an education business. Interesting. Um, what's that? Interesting. Yes. And now there's millions of returns, right? If you search financial coach, now there's millions of returns or money coach, any related term investment coach, there's millions of terms um, of which I'm still top ranked for those terms, not number one, but in the page mm-hmm. one generally. And so Um, The difference is a financial coach in its pure form is an educator, right? Whereas a financial planner creates a dependent relationship. It's dependent upon the infinite wisdom of the financial planner. That's what you're paying that person for. And you're always in a dependent relationship. And it's kind of conflict of interest with the essence of what financial independence is, which is independent, independent relationship. Whereas a financial coach, the whole goal is to get you independent of the coach. And so like back when I did coaching, I haven't been doing coaching for a while. It was excessive demand and I I had that luxury and I closed the business to focus on the courses. Mm -hmm. Um, But back when I was doing the financial coaching, um, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) You are, um, the person needs to be independent from the Oh, oh, yeah. Thank you. So back when I was doing the financial coaching, um, I would point out to my clients, the goal was actually for them to fire me. We wanted to get them to a point where they had gotten the knowledge that I had to share with them to where they were independent and then they didn't need me anymore. That was actually a goal was for them to fire me. Because you, you've, they, everyone's completed their goal. You've taught them all that they need. They had the education to move forward yeah. without needing me anymore. They didn't need my input. Like what clients used to often say is they felt like they had a little Todd on their shoulders. You know, like you've seen in the comics where they have like a little devil and a little angel on your shoulder talking yeah. here. They always felt like they had a little Todd in their shoulder because my viewpoints are quite different, but they're not complex. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And then you start operating according to it. Mm. Once you put a little tot on your shoulder, then you're independent. Nice. And I think once you're, to me, it's like once you read, learn something, and then you start acting on it, it just becomes ingrained in you. It becomes easier and it becomes a habit. Yeah. So a pure coach, a pure coach is, empower, it's an empowering relationship, whereas financial advice is an enabling relationship. Right. And that has to be with the dependency versus independent. A pure coach never sells investment products. All they do Mm -hmm. is sell the education they can provide. Whereas financial advice is about all about investment product sales. So those are just a couple of the distinctions right there that make it clear that they're very different. Yeah. I've never thought of that. Typically my clients would have a financial advisor as well as they would hire me. Gotcha. Because that's part of their plan, so to speak. Yeah, they would use me as an independent viewpoint, as an educational mm-hmm. viewpoint to help develop their knowledge, their skill to where they were capable on their own. And they would use a financial planner to execute because they would still need to access the products. 
That makes sense. So for anyone that is looking to finally make a financial plan or just change it or see where they're at, um, I know you have um, courses. What is the best place to start on your website for that person? Well, I mean, I have a podcast, free podcast, so you can listen to more audio interviews, learn more. In terms of if you're ready to take action and you want to develop a, a wealth plan, mm-hmm. there's two different resources. I have a book on Amazon um, called How Much Money Do I Need to Retire? Awesome. Which covers some of the stuff we cover here, but a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, all five bucks on Amazon. Um, so you can get that on Amazon. It's another good test to see if you're, you know, getting value out of the message. And then the, the advanced thing that the whole enchilada, if you will, is what's my step three course. Um, so if you look under the menu under products on the website, financialmentor.com under the step three, or I'm sorry, under products, you'll see step three, how to design your wealth plan. And that goes through everything soup to nuts. Uh, your walk away benefit from that is you walk away with an, an actionable wealth plan. So it's a document that you create. It's done in a format that you can adapt with over time because it's a living, breathing document that you work from. And it takes your entire wealth plan, engineers it so the numbers work with all three asset classes. It's uniquely fitted to your skills, the resources you bring to the equation, your goals, your timeline, So it takes your personal attributes, custom fits them to the asset classes, the unique characteristics of the asset classes, gets all the numbers behind it. Then it reverse engineers it into action steps. So the whole thing is actionable. And then there's another education component on how you correct and adjust going forward. But it's all done, you know, for PC users, it's in a Microsoft Word document or for pages if you're a Mac user. And it's a living, breathing document you work from. And that's your walkaway benefit. That's perfect. It sounds like, um, yeah, it just guides you through the process so it's not overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Step by step, brick by brick. It's a big course. It's not, you know, you don't just snap it out. Um, (laughs) But you're never the same once you learn it. I mean, like I just had a client the other day tell me he feels like he was was using movie analogies. He said it feels like he, he entered the matrix or exited the matrix of investment strategy by taking this course like, you know, you know how Matrix the movie. Yeah, yeah. He feels like he came out of the Matrix. That's so cool. And then he, and then he turned and used another movie. Now he said because now he knows the secret. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was really funny because in the course I always say there, the secret is there are no secrets, right? That's a <laughs> uh, thing. Cool. But he was playing off the movie The Secret, how they purported yeah. to have the secret to prosperity. And once you understand how this stuff's put together, you're kind of immune from the nonsense because you actually know what actually. Yeah, how it actually works. That makes sense. Well, thank you so much for steering us in the right direction and kind of opening our eyes as to what the possibilities are. And for those that aren't creating a plan to kind of, you know, motivate them and inspire to do so that it's not the big bag beast that everyone uh, may think it is. (laughs) Yeah, you really have to have a plan. And I mean, when coaching clients would come to me, it's the first place I started with all of them, even though it's step three in the seven steps of seven figures. It's the place I would start with every new client because you literally can't make decisions without having the context of the cohesive plan that guides how all those decisions fit together. Because if you try to, what happens is you end up with inefficiency, you end up with wasted resources and you don't get the goal as fast. And so it just literally makes no no economic sense not to have it. No, you need to have an understanding to make the best decisions. And and when you're talking about your money in your future, it's, you'd be silly not to. Absolutely. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Todd. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and yeah, sharing your insight. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. All right. So that is it for this episode of Sailing to Success podcast, folks. Of course, we'll have all the links on our show notes and you can find that at lindsayphillips.com. And um, if you are looking to grow your business through content marketing, um, then check out smoothbusinessgrowth.here.com and go to the Start Here page and see how we can help you grow your business. So you can be, uh, you know, one of those steps on your way to financial independence. Um, So yeah, have a profitable and productive week, folks. And may the winds always be at your back. 